All right, world, welcome to another exciting episode of the Unplugged Podcast, where we're telling different stories around entrepreneurship. We are here with American legend, I like to think, uh, artist, television host, radio personality, philanthropist, and entrepreneur, DJ Ski. DJ Ski, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Oh, man, it's so great to have you. Um, how's everything going? Have you, you know, adjusted to COVID? How's business? How's, how's, how is your life right now? All is good, man. I mean, com- all things considering, right? Like there's, there's a lot of uh, major issues facing the world on, on multiple fronts. So with all that being said for, for me personally, like, look, I'm blessed to, to be healthy and, um, and safe and at home. So I, I can't complain. Uh, obviously I don't think this is the year that anyone planned, uh, from obviously everything that's happened with, COVID, but you know, we've tried to, all, all you can do is adapt and evolve. They, there's no need to, you know, complain about it. That doesn't get you anywhere. You just have to, to figure out what's next and, and you know, uh, keep, keep it moving, right? Like anything in life, there's obstacles that come. This was a major one for the entire world that, that happened at the same time for everybody. Um, so, we're, you know, we're pushing through. Absolutely. You know, you talked about adapting and evolving and, you know, being a, a, a big, person in the entertainment space um have you adapted any of your live events to virtual events like have you done anything in the virtual space yeah we'd actually spent you know a huge t- amount of um time money and resources on building a new twenty-five thousand square foot facility in on hollywood boulevard at hollywood and vine that opened you know in in february so um then shut down in in march so you know rather than sit there and say all right well we're gonna have to wait a year or maybe longer to to get you know events and things like we we formerly planned the the same night i remember we our south by southwest showcase we had four nights of shows there um, once that got canceled, we instantly pivoted and launched, you know, we didn't have a Twitch page at the time we launched one. And since then we've done over, you know, 200 live streams and performances, multiple bands. We've one of the fastest growing music pages on the, the platform and um, it's been working really well. And I think it's actually made our business in a, stronger over the long term so we again where it's taking you know lemons and making lemonade we think that you know now once we combine that with the physical and experiential space that we have uh you know we're in a much even stronger position than we than we would have been so we we just adapted we realized what was happening we you know our team really you know got focused and put their heads together to, to launch you know some incredible things and um and luckily it's worked out absolutely i think you know one of the things that you you, you talked about there is is your business has now become stronger. You've now added an additional value prop, an additional revenue stream. Um, what I heard there, so when if, if we're able to go back to live events and you know there's a vaccine and we go back to a new normal, will, could we see both sides of DJ Ski and, and your events, physical and virtual, all simultaneously? Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's what the the future looks like, right? I think that there's a a massive opportunity to um, create experiences and content that that lives between both worlds. You know what I mean? And I think that um, nobody's really cracked that. Everybody's trying to crack it. Um, We have some ideas and concepts that we're playing with, but you know, there's no reason when there's these incredible moments happening, whether it's an artist coming up for an interview, a performance, whatever it is, 
that it shouldn't be distributed amongst multiple forms of content, both from short form social media, long form in a podcast, live on radio, live on a video stream on Twitch. Um, we want to, you know, we think content is content and we want to, you know, there's an opportunity to get that out everywhere. And experiential is an equal layer in that. Like, why would you not let people either experience it live if they're there or watch it from the rest of the world and make it compelling and interesting, not just putting on, you know, a camera in front of a, you know, a stage, which I, I don't think historically has done that well. So yes, very bullish on that opportunity and also taking it to the third layer and gaming and into like metaverses and things like that. I think that there's a lot of interesting things. Absolutely. Absolutely. You work with a lot of artists, right? Um, who would you say the, the, your favorite artist to work with or who's the most fun artist you've worked with? And do you have any good stories or funny things that happened during some of your, your shoots or your events um, that you could share with us today? So many. I mean, where, where do I start? I've been lucky to, to see the, the best in the world in, in, in multiple genres in the craft. I mean, from a, you know, musical raw talent, like there's nobody that will ever match Prince and being able mm. to go on the road with him was, you know, one of the best experiences of my life. And, you know, the, the stories with him are just, you know, <laughs> incredible and insane. Um, yeah. And that's Prince being able to, you know, and, you know, I was lucky to work with, you know, the late Chris Cornell, who has one of the best voices in, in rock history. So he was the first person to bring me to, you know, um, Chile and to, to South America um, on the road with him and worked on a project with him and Timbaland. So that was that was incredible in its day of course on the hip-hop side like still you know one of the my you know the my almost like mentors and and somebody that's always had my back and and done things is snoop and that's somebody that you know i grew up listening to and and getting a phone call from him and him asking you for something and, and asking you to help out with something is always a trip right so um and he's a legend and there's a reason that he's had the longevity and is probably the biggest you know i think he's the biggest icon in music in terms of that's crossed over in, you know, in a realm that nobody else has. So um, th those guys, you know, I, those guys would be at the, just the top of the list because they're, they're the best at what they do. There's so many, so many to go through, but it's, it's tough to, you know, you know, when you're just start, when you're thinking like, and, and if you would have told me that I would have worked with those three when I was a kid, I would have thought you were crazy. hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Question. I, we, we know Snoop is a, is a big entrepreneur himself. Uh, he's yeah. partnered with a Canadian brand in Canopy Growth. Yep. Was Prince entrepreneurial at all? Absolutely. He was all about, I mean, like, look, he was the first guy that went out and went against his label when it wasn't popular. You know, he was very, he was all into owning his masters, right? He was the first person to put out his project with, you know, I think it was like on a CD-ROM back in the day that came with a wow. magazine or no, with a newspaper and sell like, he figured out bundling before, you know, we, in the music industry, we talk about bundling where artists come out with, and there's a lot of controversy around it. They'll come out with like limited merch and stuff. And it comes with an album. So it counts towards sound scan. Prince was the first to do that. He, he was the one that was bundling, I think with a newspaper and stuff. So definitely entrepreneurial owned his stuff. I mean, he, he had a whole vertically integrated system, right? Like he had his own facilities where he recorded it. He could perform at Paisley Park. He distributed it himself and found one-offs. And he, he was awesome. I mean, he was all about empowering his community. He worked with, you know, black owned banks. It was one thing that he was really big on and he wanted to, you know, he was all about the locality. That's why well, he got, he might've had a place for, you know, a year in Cali here and there. He, he always had Paisley Park and Minnesota was always home. And that's one of the reasons that I think he, he, you know, brought me on. He realized that I grew up in Minnesota and was, you know, always trying to help others. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, rest in peace to Prince and, uh, uh, you know, the, the legacy he lives will, will definitely live on forever. Um, looking at, looking at, you know, one thing I heard there was Prince found, found, found a way to, to adapt, right. To be different. Um, when you announced ski TV on iHeartRadio, you stated you had become tired with the traditional radio formats and wanted a new challenge. What did that change look like for you at that time? And if you could go back, is there anything that you would change? Yeah, um, great question. So when I when I you know I went on TV and and you know I was in position with iHeart and those guys were great to me. It's nothing for, like I have all the respect in the world. What they've done is great. I just felt like it wasn't at the time. I saw there being more opportunities, and I realized that you know radio was the last form of media that hadn't shifted from analog to digital. And I was a big fan of live experiences, live audio at a time like Spotify, Apple Music, etc. Were you know, kind of in the works and coming, Spotify was around obviously and coming up, but it wasn't what it was today. And, but like, it was obvious what was gonna happen, that they were gonna take over that streaming landscape and replace what CDs, MP3s, vinyl tape, all, all those things, the music transaction side. But I didn't think anybody had done it on the, the live audio, the radio, the broadcast side. And rather than sit inside a system that, you know, the, the challenge that, you know, with iHeart specifically is that they were just burdened in debt. And it came to a head when they had to declare, you know, bankruptcy and reorganization last year. Um, and it's just a challenge when you have this legacy business model that was a great, great business, right? And still on paper, it's a great business, but being saddled with the debt, going through a number of consolidations after the financial crisis, first financial crisis in 2008, and then just, you know, trying to then ultimately move from a brand that is 100% um, analog with AM, FM antennas to being digital, which is that future, is, is always a challenge. It's like turning a, a giant tanker ship. So for us, I was like, look, somebody's going to come in and do this on the audio side. Why not be us? And I didn't want to be somebody that woke up and saw that somebody else had did it. So um, we jumped off, you know, I jumped off, off the building and people thought I was crazy for leaving, you know, the biggest radio platform here in the U.S. to to jump and do that, but it was something that I had to, to do. I figured, you know, the worst that I could do is, is fail and I'd rather fail trying to do something than, you know, stay kind of stagnant. And, you know, I'd, I'd run its course. I'd been there for, you know, seven years and commercial radio has its limitations with what you can do and had lost its cool factor amongst like even talking with kids and things. So that's why I had to do it. Going back, I mean, of course, there's lots of like things you can look back on and regret and wish it was, but, but as a whole, absolutely not. I mean, I've learned so much. It's, you know, I've learned how the entire, you know, start, how to run a startup from every angle. I've learned how, you know, to raise money and, and gone out and, and done it and how to build a business from literally a concept on the wall to something that's legit and expand and grow and plenty of growing pains along that, that period. But, um, you know, it's been the best, ex you know, probably the best thing I ever did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, as an entrepreneur myself, you know, one of the, 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 the thing that, that scares us is that like, damn, like, what if I, what if I miss, what yeah. if I, you know, and, um, there's a, there's a video that I posted on, on social media of Kobe Bryant, you know, he talked about, uh, Babe Ruth, uh, you know, I, I, I swing big and I miss big. Yeah. If I miss the last second shot, great. We all go home, we celebrate. If yeah. I miss the last shot, all right, cool, next game. Why, why, why is that mentality so important to an entrepreneur uh, as they build on a vision, on their dream moving forward? 
I mean, you can't be scared, right? Like it's probably not going to work. That's the reality with, with when you try something new, most of the time, especially if you look at startups in, in that environment, most of them fail, right? Like that's, that's the realities. That's the fact. So, but for everyone that fails, there's those big ones and like being an entrepreneur is something that a lot of people aspire to do and want to do. And it's one of those things that sounds a lot better than it really is. Like if you have it in you and you want to do it, like there's some of us like you, like, like me, that that's just kind of how we're wired. Like there's, it's tough to do it the other way, but it's not the smartest. Like it's actually not the smartest form of, of business. The smartest form of business is going something stable that you have a nine to five, like an entrepreneur, like you're 24, seven, 365, every problem, every issue falls on you. If you're a nine to five and, you know, getting a good salary, getting benefits, not having to worry about it, you can take your, your lunch um, <laughs> somewhere else. It's, it's actually a much smarter move, right? It just depends on who you're wired. So I think that there's almost too much entrepreneurialism, like glamour. Everybody thinks they're going to be Mark Zuckerberg or start some, you know, trillion, multi-billion dollar startup. And most of the time it doesn't happen. And for most people, and that's why, you know, there's more employees than there are leaders of these companies. Most of the time, it's a smarter job. Um, you know, I would, uh, you know, there's times when I'm like, damn, I wish I could work nine to five and then not have to worry about anything after, after that, right? I wish I could do that stuff. It's not how, like, ultimately, it's not how, how I'm wired. And I'd rather take that risk. And there's, there's massive upsides. It's risk rewards, but it's, it's a gamble. So I think that, you know, obviously, you know, if you have that in you, go for it. But I think that, you know, a lot of times people just look at the, 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 the beautiful side of it and the glory and don't realize all the hard work and effort. And it doesn't like, look, if you're working somewhere else, like it's not a bad thing. It's actually probably from a, like an odds perspective, probably a much smarter thing that you can do. It's just some of us are, are a little crazier and want to take a, a bigger risk with it, you know, have that bigger reward. Absolutely. Um, you know, with this podcast and, you know, Athlete Tech Group, our North Star being entrepreneurship, um, just to give everyone a, a quick definition of entrepreneurship on Google, you know, it's the activity of setting up a business or businesses taking on financial risks in the hope of profit. So it's in the hope of profit. Um, one thing that I, that I will say is, you know, for the people that did have jobs and have worked for people nine to five, took their lunch, COVID has taken away a lot of those jobs. Right. And, in the media, they're, they're, they've stated that one of the things that are, are going to really restart and boost economies is entrepreneurship, is the small business world, is that. So I guess my question to you, uh, DJ Ski, is for, for those that aren't entrepreneurs or are entrepreneurs, what would three keys to success for an entrepreneur be from DJ Ski? Um, I think not being, a, not being afraid, right? Like you have to jump out and, and take that risk. It's easy to think about it and be like, I'm going to do this, but to actually like quit and leave everything and risk everything that you have, you, you have to have, man, you have to have balls to, to go out and do it. And then um, you have to realize that, you know, whatever plan that you have is just, you know, the, the path that you have to do, you always have to adapt and adapt and react quickly, right? And, and get out there and test things. Nothing's going to be perfect. Just launch, just move, just go. And, and don't be afraid of those things. And lastly, like the ones that succeed in the end are the ones that you're going to have no's all along the way. If you stop when there's a no, you're, you're not going to get through tomorrow, right? Like there's going to be a million reasons. No, it's not, you know, it's, it's how long you can survive. And the last man standing wins. It's truly like 
you know, an epic battle. So you just have to stay in the game longest because all it takes is one magic moment. All it takes is one big client, one big company to come around and, you know, your, your fortunes can change with one thing, but you can't do it unless you're in the game. So if you're, if you're really in it, find a way to stay in the game and to, to stay alive as long as you can. Cause it's, it's literally like survival of the fittest and, and it's like, you know, it's a, it's a marathon. Shout out Alan Iverson, only the strong survive. Yeah, um, <laughs> I see you got the AIs in the back there. I had yeah. to big, big shout out to the question. No question yep. for the answer. Um, you know, with, with ski TV, you were, you were trying to disrupt a, a market, which is a goal for a lot of entrepreneurs in, in what they do. How did you tackle that new radio show from a business perspective? Like what business tactics were you putting in place and what metrics were you putting in place to see success? Yeah, I mean, for us, um, when we launched, when we launched Dash as, as the radio brand, it was, I mean, we had to make, we, we didn't really know, right? It was a new way for us. It was just getting out there and seeing what worked, seeing what people listened to, what reacted. We, we saw real quickly what stations worked and concepts that we had, um, what didn't as well, and, and adapted and adjusted and, and evolved those over time. And it got to the place where now it kind of, you know, runs itself and we have a team that's well-oiled and we're Robbie's ad-leading and doing new things, but the core product runs itself. But it took years to get to a point of stability from a tech perspective where it was operating cleanly and smoothly and not going down and with redundant backup servers, et cetera, on the content side, making it, especially, I mean, we're running 80 state, 80, over 80 stations. So it's a lot of content to ingest and to work through. So we really wanted to, you know, to, now we have a well-oiled machine with the formats and structures and processes in place for shows to submit for everything to get uploaded and to, to make it happen. So it's, uh, um, I mean, it's, it's building it out and then optimizing that system. And then always, and now we're like, all right, now we've got that covered. So we're expanding. And that's why you see us doing the Twitch, doing things like that. So, um, you know, pushing through. Absolutely. Now you, you, you keep referencing your, your team, right? And as an entrepreneur, um, you know, I, I, I know, before we've built the athlete tech group, I'm so used to wearing so many multiple hats, right? I'm sales, I'm marketing, I'm brand, I'm finance, I'm accounting. I'm all of these different things. As an entrepreneur uh, starting out um, from you know, your perspective, what, what are some, some key team members or maybe even mentors or, or, or people that you wanna have around as you build? Yeah. I mean, you always, that's, you hit it, you hit it head on, right? Like it's key that you're, you're, you want to surround yourself with the best circle possible. Cause that's who, and, and with people that you want to be like, right. Cause you're going to gravitate towards that. I want to be the brokest, least successful person um, with the, 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 and the dumbest in the room, right? Like I want to hang around other people than that. You don't want to hang around especially if you're an entrepreneur in business, like you want to hang around people that are going to push you and that you see being great and that give you those examples. So that's been key for me. There's been people in my life that have come around that have taught me so much. And it's because, you know, I, I realized like, look, these, they know what they're doing. Let me just ride along. Like there's the importance of just learning and that's invaluable experience. And, and, and you know, so many people are short-sighted and like, what's in it for me right now? What's immediate? And, you know, we'll just surround themselves with other people that, that are, you know, like that. You have to step outside your comfort circle and find people doing it better than you. And you have to also earn your way in. Like, what are you going to offer these people? Like, you can't just expect like the most annoying thing is like, hey, let me learn from you and follow you around and do that. It's like, like, look, if it was that easy, great. It's like, what can you offer? I got in the game by selling, you know, at the time I was selling PlayStation 2s, Xboxes, 
sneakers to artists that they couldn't get that were sold out at other places. So that was my, how I got in and why, and then these guys are like, Oh, it's a little kid. He's a little hustler. Like, um, let's put him around me, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was able to learn and, and offer value without like asking them for stuff. So I came in initially and figured like my value. And that was like, those guys weren't going to wait in line outside of Best Buy for hours to, to get the new, you know, Xbox or PS2 or whatever it was at the time, or they're not going to figure out how to, you know, import shoes from Europe and exclusive Air Force One colorway. And mm -hmm. I was willing to do that and put in the work at the time. And that's how I, I that opened a lot of doors for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, you, you, you have a very, very versed portfolio of, of businesses, investments, um, relationships, public, like a lot. There's a lot. And unfortunately, we don't have a, a whole lot of time to go through all of that. Oh, all good. So we're, we're definitely going to keep it on a, on a super high level. Um, but you talk about relationships. Um, and there's one relationship I want to talk to you about. Yeah. I love watching Shark Tank. I love yeah. seeing deals being made. I love people saying, all right, I'll offer you hundred K for 10% of your business. What's your counter? Um, how has your relationship with Mark Cuban played a role in your career as an entrepreneur? I mean, Mark has been great. Like you, like when I moved to, to LA, he was, he was somebody that everybody wanted to be. He was a young guy, built a business, then did what he want, right? Like he's the perfect example of like, I don't really care. Like I wanted to buy a basketball team. He loved basketball and sports and he spent money on them. Unlike a lot of other owners, that's why players wanted to play for the Mavs. That's why they've won championships being a smaller market team, right? Like that's not easy to do. People underestimate the, how, how difficult that that is and why he struck gold again. And he has great scouting and they picked Luca, who's going to be, it looks like it's going to be the face of the NBA for this <laughs> next generation. So he, he was always an inspiration for, for me, right? Just watching from the outside and how he moved. And he reached, you know, I saw that actually started, you know, seeing some stuff. He, he launched, uh, he had HDNet and then switched and launched a music network. I started, I hosted something. Um, my agent at the time had got me, you know, hosting there. And I was like, all right, I'm going to come in and crush this. And Mark's going to fall in love with me. And sure enough, he's like, I love your content. I see it. Think about like, what would you do? Like to do a TV show around you. And I was like, great like wasn't even oh. expecting it so he like cold emailed me and he's so hands-on with it it's been been awesome i mean I, i'm literally he emailed me 30 minutes ago about um some some uh he's actually trying to help somebody out that got laid off not from his thing that's it's a musician and stuff so he just has a heart of gold right it's just a you know he, and he had no other incentive but mark has, has taught me so much both about you know i mean he's got, you know, probably even more money than he, people think, right? Like he's been so successful just from Shark Tank alone, like that show and all those businesses crush it. Not to mention like how much the Mavs and thing has gone down, but like, he's the guy, I remember I tried to take him out for a fancy meal once in New Orleans. I was like, Hey, let me take you out to, to this place. It has great stuff. He's like, no, I'm good. I'm at IHOP. Come over here. And I'm like, <laughs> like he just, which is awesome to see. He doesn't get caught up in the presumptionist. He's like, he's so real. And you see that on, on Twitter and he doesn't hold back. He's, he's very opinionated. It's, you know, but he's, he's, he's seriously an inspiration and a, and a role model for, for myself and so many others and working with him has been so great. And he, he's one of the most accessible people that is, is out there. If people want to get his attention, like tweet him, his email is out there publicly. He's not hard to find and he'll literally respond to people on like he is, you know, so, so everybody's like, let me talk to him. How do I get, a, I have an idea. I'm like, DM him, Twitter <laughs> him, like 
you can get to him. If you, he'll see it. Like, you know, he's, he's out there. I don't know how he does it, by the way. He just has more energy than anybody else. But he's incredible and an inspiration. has been, you know, instrumental for my career and how he helped me out. He was the first one to, to put me on um, outside of the internet and establish me on, on TV, on cable television and give me a show. And it was the platform where so many artists broke. It was the first place that artists like, you know, Travis Scott, um, you know, Nipsey Hussle, Logic, YG, uh, Post Malone ever did uh, a TV appearance was, was on that show. And it was because Mark really gave me the freedom and trust in and I believe. And looking back on it, like that catalog is, is, is crazy. Legendary, 100% legendary. One thing about Mark that he, I don't think he gets enough credit for is being a genius marketer, Yeah. right? There's a lot of people that are in business that are genius marketers. Mark Cuban's one of them. I believe Drake is another one of them. Totally. As well. You yourself. Um, what was your first taste of marketing, uh, you know, after your, your DJ career had taken off? I think it was, um, I mean, my first taste, I'd say, I think it was definitely before like my, my DJ career took it off, right? Like when I was, it was me, you know, in high school selling my mixtapes when I was nobody, when I was a 16 year old DJ trying to get the word out there. And I started marking myself online, right? Like around the time of Napster before a lot of people were on the internet. So, I remember Napster. <laughs> yeah, and so I was like leveraging the internet is, is, is my tool. And then, you know, it was just something that always kind of came natural to me. I, when I moved to LA, I, I ended up running Steve Rifkin's marketing agency. Um, and, you know, I got known in the industry behind marketing like the T-Mobile sidekick, and, you know, Daimler Chrysler when they relaunched 300 Magnum chargers, helping launch Beats by Dre. Um, so, you know, it's, it was something that always just kind of came, you know, it was one of those skill sets that I think I just naturally took to really well. And I used that to, to help my career then personally as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I think also being a, a genius marketer is to also have great relationships, right? And uh, although me and you have never met in person, um, you know, this is uh, an early, we're still building our own relationship as time goes on. So as I've shared, very, very thankful to have you here today. Um, how much of a role does your, your connection with athletes and influencers play in getting you get in, in getting you these marketing campaigns and deals and so on and so forth? Yeah, I mean, I think relationships are key, right? And, and that's, especially in this business, that's all that matters. And that's how you, you survive for the long term, right? Anybody can have a short burst, but it's those relationships that are key. And that's how we've been able to build brands and products. And like, if, if I believe in something, if I work with something, I only work with projects I, I believe in. And when, when I call people about them and stuff, I might not have the most money for, for something, but they know it's going to be some real shit. And it's going to be a good look for them. I always try to put myself in, in their shoes. So, um, you know, the relationships are key just across with, with anything that you do. 100%, 100%. I'm a big, I'm a big uh, advocate for building relationships. You know, they say your, your network is your net worth, right? Absolutely. I'm always trying to, to add to that bank account for sure. Um, another question about your, your investment portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. So you've, you've come in, you've built these relationships, you've, you've gone from jobs and building brands and working with brands and so on and so forth. And now you have this keen eye for seeing what's next. Um, can you talk to us about your investment portfolio, what it looks like today? Sure. I mean, for me, I tried to, um, you know, I, I jumped in the game and now, I, you know, I've learned a lot being on both sides of the table, um, serving as, you know, a startup entrepreneur, running a company myself, raising, you know, capital 
and uh, you know, I think we've raised about $14 million to date on the Dash side. So I, I have a pretty good understanding of that. Um, on the other side then too, and, and luckily like we have some great investors and they've let me in the, those wheelhouse to investor dinners to see how they think, how they have to answer to LPs. Like it's not just as easy as like, oh, we have to, to put out like, hey, we have money, we're gonna give it to you. It's like, no, what's our invest th investment thesis? What's our strategy? Who are our backers? What are they looking for? What's the potential return? What else is out there in the market? What's the best way to spend the capital? So I, th I think that I have a real unique skill set on both sides. And, and for me, I've, I try to focus on products and projects that I can be of benefit, which are generally mass market consumer things. Meaning, if you have a, you know, an ad tech deal or a, you know some med tech. It's probably awesome, but I'm probably not the best guy for that because I, I try to only work with things that I can add value to. For example, you know, StockX is, you know, a big win for me. And that came about because I have, you know, I'm pretty big in the sneaker, pretty well known in the big, in the sneaker community and have by just having way too many shoes. And it's <laughs> kind of a thought leader there. I did a documentary on Netflix called Sneakerheads. Um, uh, I've hosted and done tons of things from all the brands, Nike, Jordan, et cetera, over the years. And, uh, and obviously like sneakers, if you see, you see my background. Yeah. Um, but for, for me, like StockX was great because I could add value outside of just cash and help them connect them with the right people, help link them, help them with strategy and still work with them on that and their way to, you know, uh, you know, whatever happens next for them. So for me, I try to work with companies and brands that, um, that I can benefit and be of use and be of service for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's a, a big thing that you, you just shared there in, in being an investor is finding ways that you can support your investment outside of just cash yeah right a lot of people look at investments from like oh well here's 100k go figure it out yeah. uh, when you watch shark tank with mark you know mark says hey there was a, a company that came with this uh shaker it's like hey, you know what i'll invest in you but i'll also put it in the dallas mavericks locker room as yeah. well so being able to add value is 100 percent uh very 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 important um I think, I think, you know, to, to end, you know, what does, what does the next five years look like for DJ Ski? Man, I have no idea. I don't even know what the next five days looks like, right? <laughs> in this, in this, in this world, right? Yeah. Like, so we'll see. I mean, this world is more than ever. And this year has been the best example of like, look, we can't plan for anything. We don't know when things, when events are going to start again, when things are going to open up. So we, we obviously have like grand long-term visions, but we can only plan like week by week and adjust and adapt and, and move quickly as we see those things happening. Um, for me in five years, five, 10 years, hopefully for me, it's always about pushing the boundaries, empowering others, especially now that I'm in this phase of my career where I've been blessed enough to, to have seen and done a lot and like have lived a full life. Like I feel like I've, you know, if, if, you, if I was to go back and, you know, it were, you know, hopefully this doesn't happen, but if it all ended today, I would be, perfect like i would say i've done more than i thought that, that i ever could from touring with the biggest artists playing in the biggest venues opening the biggest clubs being on the field at the biggest sports games interacting with the biggest celebrities figures politicians like things that are just crazy being in rooms that i had you know i, I didn't think i would ever ever be in um and for me it's it's about empowering that next generation and realizing that like look if i'm just a kid from from minneapolis at the end of the day that's, that's lived this, this lifestyle and I'm not the smartest, I'm not the, the coolest, I'm not the, you know, the, the most, uh, there's people that are better than me at a lot of those things. So if, if I can do all of this stuff, then, then anybody else should 
you know, it's possible. And there's so many kids that just don't believe that because they don't have those role models to look up to. So I want to help empower that. And on another plan, and on the business side, I think it's just always paving the way, trying to help the world. Obviously, right now, we're in a, a state of, of chaos with things happening, especially, you know, amongst racial and social injustice. So I think it's important to stand up for that and to to fight and to make a stand, even if it, you know, um, you know, even if that affects you on the business side, that's that's more important long term. These are only, you know, money and stuff. I've I've been blessed enough to have money. I've been blessed enough to lose it and be on both sides of that and and realize that well, it's a great tool and something that's kind of how we we can you know take uh, track our successes on the business side. It's it's not everything and it definitely doesn't bring you happiness. So for me, it's just you know trying to enjoy myself and sometimes also slow down and and then on the business side find new ways to 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 break ground into areas that I'm I'm always about trying to pave new trails for things that haven't been done yet. Absolutely! Wow! Wow! As an entrepreneur, we can only you know I can only you know um, strive to be like like someone like yourself. You know, someone that's figured it out, has made it, has been in in rooms and conversations that you know surpass your wildest dreams. So. Uh, it's very, very important, and it's great to hear that, you know, you, you have a heart of giving, right? Rick yeah, Ross talks about it. how many people you bless is how you measure success, and uh, I, I can see that, you know, that's living through you right now. Uh, literally, my last question is yeah. in and around, you know, I, I know you had an amazing relationship with, with Nipsey Hussle, RIP to Nipsey. Nipsey was an, an amazing entrepreneur, uh, social entrepreneur at that. Um, Seeing the current state of the world and, you know, the, the, the current climate around racial injustice and so on and so forth, in your opinion, what, what do you think, what do you think Nip would, 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 would be trying to do right now? Or, or what kind of words do you think Nip would be, would be sharing with the world? Because I feel like this time right now is, would be Nip. Nip would be front and center. 100% he'd be frontline and he'd be trying, you know, he'd be speaking his mind and speaking out against the injustice, but also trying to put himself in both sides of the shoes and figure out he's great at bringing everybody to the table. Like, all right, there's this side, there's this side. And even if this side is wrong, how do I get them? I can't just say you're hundred percent wrong. Like how do we get them to meet in the, in the middle without compromising himself at all? But like, trying to actually like, what can we do to get results? It's all about like the, the bottom line at the end of the day. How do we get this to stop? How do we get this to happen? How do we get on the same page and see that? And he was that great voice. He would a hundred percent been on the front line and, and helping, you know, be vocal and helping, you know, push, push everything that's going on in a, in a big, big way. So it's such a shame that he's not here, but I feel like part, part of this is him, you know, making that stuff happen from above. Absolutely. RIP Nip. Um, uh, DJ Ski. Thank you so much. This was course, an amazing. Man. Thank you, brother. It was it was definitely great to take a deep dive into your entrepreneurial journey, your personal stories, uh, your career. Um, we, we we bid you um, continued success, continued um, impact, um, which is I, I think one of the biggest things entrepreneurs can have. Um, and we thank you for joining us today, and uh, we definitely look forward to connecting with you again soon. Uh, and thanks again for joining the Unplugged Podcast. Mm-hmm.